You're listening to Three Makes Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Repnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. I am continuing the conversation about donor conception and today have a special perspective of a parent of a donor conceived child who is now 35 years old. Fran, I'm so glad you're here. I want to just first of all say that I know it's hard to come on the show because um, you didn't tell your child about donor conception, but I'm so glad to have you here because hearing your perspective is just going to mean a lot to a lot of people to understand the time and what was happening there. So thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Wow. I'm happy to be here, really. We started talking with each other. It's been maybe over six months ago on Instagram and you reached out because you were, I think, following maybe my account and you were learning about stories of donor conceived adults finding out they were donor conceived and you were reaching out for more information and resources and just, I really enjoyed talking with you and getting to know your story and was so happy to hear from you as a as a parent of an older child, um, because I just, we don't hear from you very often. Yeah, I can understand that. I don't, I don't know anybody else in my position. Wow. And so you talk about feeling alone. You know, it must've been hard for you to feel like you were one of the only ones. And now you may know, as you're finding out, you weren't, there were many others out there that were using, that had used a donor and just weren't talking about it as well. Well, my biggest uh, moment was I went to it was a uh, a conference on the ethics of donor conception, and there were many, many, many people my daughter's age who had been donor conceived and found out through DNA testing the same way my daughter did, mm-hmm. and I was it was a tremendous relief to see them because. You know, when you're told to keep a secret, that don't tell anyone. When I was, when I went through um, conception by a donor, I was told that my husband both and, and I were told, don't tell anyone, quote, no one will ever know. And so it felt a little uncomfortable, like, well, what if she meets another donor-conceived person? when she's older and has a relationship, it felt uncomfortable, but this person was the expert in the room, sitting behind a desk in a white coat, and I listened because there were so many other feelings going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. But when I was in that room, it was a tremendous relief to know that I wasn't the only one who had gone through this. Mm -hmm. And And he said, no one will ever know. She. She, sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, um, you know, there were various times over the years where we, we thought we should really tell her, but we didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when, when she took the DNA test and she came up with a sibling, it was like, well, <laughs> who is that? And so we decided we, we would tell her. You did. Yeah. And so she came home and had the test and... Were you afraid when you knew she was going to take the test or did you, know, you not something, know? I'm so clueless, really. I'm clueless. I, she went skydiving. I had, at the last minute, I said, 
she's going to jump out of a plane. I'm clueless about these things. So that when she said she was taking a DNA test, I figured she would know like she was this much Italian and this much, you know, it was, it was like, I didn't understand that she would find specific DNA relatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how the DNA tests work and what they actually provide. If you haven't gone through it or taken a test yourself, then it's hard to know what exactly is involved. And frankly, it's kind of hard to read some of the results too. So yeah. So, so then she told you that she found a, this, a sibling that was popping well, up. Well, she didn't say sibling. She said, oh. who is this? Like, why do I share so much DNA with this person? Mm -hmm. And that's when we knew we had to, that was over the phone. <laughs> and, and so then we, we got together with her and we told her. You did. You yeah. did. And you did that in person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how did that go? What was that moment like? Oh, it was so disorienting. It was very surreal. Um, she was shocked and we were relieved in a way because we, the secret was out. We didn't have to keep it anymore. We didn't have to hold it anymore. Hmm. And it was just, we went out to dinner afterwards and it was felt awkward. It felt like a jittery state of being, you know. Mm -hmm. Like tension? And, uh, tension, I guess, tension. And just a strange feeling, surreal, mm -hmm. like, this really happened and it was uncomfortable and we still love each other, but this is different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, then that was just the beginning and then her anger kicked in. Okay. And that was really, that was very hard to deal with because it was all about make, having her understand that we still loved her and that that was our only choice and we did it out of love. But then it got to, it wasn't about us really. Mm -hmm. The truth is it was about her. Our mm -hmm. story was the old story and this was the story that was in front of us. And that took a few weeks, I guess, to, for mm -hmm. me to come because my first reaction was, Oh, get over it. You're here. You've had a privileged life. This is, this is you know, your life is wonderful. And then I, mm -hmm. I understood at one point it wasn't about me and what mm. I did and justification for what I did. It was about her and how she felt. And I was mm -hmm. still her mother. <laughs> Even yes. I was still the adult in this relationship. And, and so then I began to like just try to understand it from her perspective. And it, I could understand it's disorienting. It's, it was a shock for her. Mm -hmm. And then we decided we went into therapy as a family together. Mm. Because, because it was changed forever. That relationship that was our family relationship was changed forever. But it didn't mean that we couldn't have a strong and wonderful family relationship after that. Wow. Powerful words. I love the way that you say that it was her story and the old story was what you did at the time and how you grew your family and the choices you made. And the new story is where you are now today and how it's impacting her. And what a beautiful way to look at, at this story to help her and to help you all heal. Right. And then for you to say it rearranged your family or it, it changed your family. 
forever. You know, that might feel kind of, you know, a little bit intimidating or frightening to, to some families out there when they hear that. Can you help me to understand, you know, in what ways, if, if it is or can be described, that it did change your family? Well, one big way for me was that I, I came to look at her as an adult. I mean, we were tight. <laughs> you know, it was so seductive to be like totally involved with each other. And this put distance between us, but a healthy distance. Like I can look at her now and see she's an adult with a separate life. Mm-hmm. And I'm an adult with my own separate life too. And even though we, I adore her, you know, I would, I would do anything for her. I really understand that she, there's a lot she has to do for herself too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's better. I think it's better for both of us. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how she is interpreting the new family dynamics, but that's how I see it. Like, this is a wonderful person in the world, mm-hmm. not, part of, not part of me anymore. Yeah, that attenuation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing, and it is a healthy thing. It's true. I, I see similarities in what I have read about donor-conceived families and sometimes the parents being overprotective and I don't, I don't know that that's what you're describing is overprotective. It just made me think of that as, as a similarity in that, and it may be overprotected in some families, in your family, it may be just, a, like you said, a, an overly close um, uh, reliance or bond that, that maybe mm-hmm. became where you were still feeling like the parent and then you're not knowing how to shift quite into the, the role of, of letting go and letting her be, you know, her full ad- adult person and then you having the being the same way so it's like that separation is so painful it's so painful for us parents as it's happening along the way but letting go is is so great for them and you can come back and have this even more um full and beautiful relationship as more as friends you know uh, when you're adults so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah so I, I completely get that and and I but it did make me think of that. And I wonder if there is, I'm going to just ask you, is, was there an aspect of did you felt you needed something to protect or maybe to protect her or to protect the secret or was, did that, do you know that that play into it at all that, that she was donor conceived that you maybe felt um, a little more protective? Ah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have nothing to compare it to, but mm-hmm. I know that, I would protect her because she was my child. I would want to make it better, you know, and then, you know, I didn't want her to suffer at all. And then the, the biggest pain in her life came from something from an action that I took, that we took, my husband and I took. And that was very, that was tough to know that this is a person who's, whose safety and comfort and protection I've tried to, keep all these years and now what she's suffering now is something that I you know it's it was an action that I took Mm. but but there is also the fact that that action was out of love yeah yeah and that is one of the biggest fears that I hear over and over from parents to be that are going to, that are choosing donor conception and moving forward with it their biggest fear is that their child 
will have a negative feeling about it or feel negatively toward them for the decision and for the choice. And I think many of, of those parents are looking for ways that they can completely avoid that and, and make sure that never happens. And my message to them is that you can't, <laughs> unfortunately, right. you can't. And, and that can be terrifying to them. What would you say to parents that are, are, that is their biggest fear? And now that you've lived through it. Well, I get, you know, there are negative aspects to the whole process <laughs> and, and you come to accept it. You know, I didn't, I didn't want a donor. That was a negative thing to me. And yet for, for our situation, we came to, to the realization that this is our choice and we're making it. So there, the positives far outweigh the negatives of that because I have this human being in my life that's extraordinary. I think she's amazing. And I, I, of course I would have changed the situation if I could have at the time, but I couldn't. And so that was negative, but I, the negatives now, I mean, I'm sure we all wish that it was different. You know, she, now that she knows she wishes it was different too, but yeah. You know what I have found is it's a difficult concept to come to terms with, but what I try to explain to families that are going through, like you said, a situation that is complex and you know there's no easy way, there's no easy answer that you can learn to embrace the tensions of that, the the opposites of it the challenges and the joys and yeah. mm-hmm. you can, and, and it is this, you know, this dialectical thinking of being able to hold the tensions between that. We want resolution so much. We want an easy answer. We want a simple fix. We want it to just be, you know, all good, but that's not reality. And so the more we can embrace both sides and just accept they both exist simultaneously, I think you can find peace in that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of aspects of the process that require that holding both sides. Like I feel like, I don't know if I still do, but for many, many years when a friend of mine or a relative of mine would get pregnant, I would feel that pain, jealousy, Mm -hmm. anger. But at the same time, I was happy for them because they were either my friends or my relatives and Mm -hmm. new life is something to celebrate. And that kind of thing is... I had to come to terms with that pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And then just there are many, even just feeling like, oh, I wish it had been different, but I'm proud that I had the courage to go through it and, and work through the fear. I mean, I didn't even know. When the doctor first, first um, recommend, suggested a donor, I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. We came out of the office and I said to my husband, what does he mean? Use the sperm of somebody else? And to me, that was like, oh my God, I, I won't be invaded. My body will be invaded by oh, yeah. unknown. It mm-hmm. was, that was not an easy thing to accept. And oh, I bet. For my yeah. husband, my husband at first wanted nothing to do with it. But we had to work it through, you know, it was... <laughs> it, that, that was, that was a journey for us that took months. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, 
I didn't even, you were in a place where doctors were offering that. And I'm sure there, it was happening around the world and in, in a lot of around the country in a lot of different places, but I bet there were women and men that didn't even know that was an option when they were trying to conceive and having trouble. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting. There was probably different experiences throughout, but yeah, it must've felt just so different. And to be brave enough to go down that route, having not knowing anybody else who was doing it, not even really knowing what it is, you know, it, uh, it had to have been just a, a process that took a lot of courage. So, yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned also the grieving process that, that went, you know, with that time, did you feel like at the time, did you know that it was grief that you were experiencing losing the ability to, to have a fully genetic child? Oh yeah. Yeah. You did. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And you knew, and you, did you have time to, you know, to attend to it and to get the counseling or the care that you needed or was just less common probably? Well, I was in therapy and so okay. I, I just, um, yeah, grief and anger. It wasn't mm -hmm. the way, <laughs> this wasn't how it was supposed to be, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, that took a long time to get over. It, it does take a long time. And do you find that, did it come back up for you again when your daughter found, you know, when you told your daughter about being donor conceived and she found her, this um, unknown genetic re relative? Uh, it, well, did it come? Yeah, sure. Because I felt, I mean, I was, I spent days in tears because not only remembering it, on my part, but then experiencing it on her part, that was, that was tough. But I was, I, I guess the anger came up again, like this isn't the way it was supposed to be. And I can remember the sterility of it. You know, mm. it was supposed to happen under the covers, not on a, a table out of a, yeah. out of a vial where after it's over, I throw my clothes on and go back to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> go, it, that wasn't supposed to be the way it was. And also the, the loss of a person that I, that I imagined would have my husband's features, my husband's family's brains, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it, it was, mm -hmm. um, it was a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, what, tell me about how it rearranged your family and your family felt different. Was that, did you feel that you lost something that, in that moment? In that moment of telling her? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. Mm -hmm. The peace and harmony. You know, um, and the, the memory of all the fun and the love that our family had. I actually had cassette tapes that um, we used to tape each other. When she was little, we would tape long, just family times. And I had to remember, I had to remember those by playing the tapes again. You like, did? Yeah. Oh. Cassette tapes, audio tapes, but you know, where we would be different characters and- just, Yeah. <laughs> oh, how fun. And did you feel that that was somehow ruined? No, no. I, okay, it, good. Good. So you just were at temporarily feeling this loss because she was angry. And also, also mm -hmm. so disoriented. She was so yes. disoriented. 
And, and okay. so that was disorienting for me too. Okay. Yeah. You felt her disorientation. Mm-hmm. And then did she tell you, was she having to go back and rework and kind of make sense of, of her genetic uh, connections and, and genetic identity through in the years? Um, did she explain that process to you at all or? No, no. No. Okay. Yeah. So you just knew it, you sensed it, you know, you, you can probably imagine it. And it was also disorienting for you to try to figure out how to make sense of this now, this information now that it was revealed and how to place it back into the family as an open, as an open piece of information rather than a secret. When it was a secret, did you think about it much? Every once in a while I would, it would come up, but it wasn't like, oh, oh, I know when people would say, oh, she looks just like your mother-in-law. Well, she doesn't mm-hmm. really. But mm-hmm. then I would say, I, I don't know what I would say, but I would just yeah. wonder how what they saw. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't come up much. Uh, but now, hmm, I think that uh, as a secret that had been now, hmm, I don't, I don't know how to answer that because I, I think we're still going through the process of, of coming to that place of family that's new for us. Yeah, finding a new normal. Mm-hmm. Did she feel a sense of betrayal? Oftentimes, uh, donor-conceived adults will say they feel betrayed by not knowing the truth. Yes, yes. And she, she did, okay. She said, even, even when we first told her, she said, but you always told me to tell the truth, that the truth was the most important thing. How could you, of all people, have kept this from me? So, you know, mm. that was true. <laughs> she was right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and also she said she felt like a science experiment, and that was painful because she's mm. such a whole person, not, you know, mm. so wanted. And like that, a fragmented piece almost of yeah. herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could understand it because I remember when, when I felt at the beginning like, like what is this alien person? Not person, but this alien um, cell is going to be injected into me. And who's, you know, I felt that sense of who is this? What will, will happen? And as a matter of fact, she, she and her half-brother um, located their donor. And that was such a relief to me because I felt like, oh, this is a good person. <laughs> just, from, just from his response to, to um, being willing to talk to them, I mm-hmm. felt like he was a decent person. And that, I know it was a strange thing for me to be excited about, but I was excited that Mm-hmm. That mystery was taken out of her life, but also that it. I I judged him from the little that I know about him to be a good person. Yeah, it's true that many people that are searching for genetic relatives do fear they're going to find out something that will be not so appealing, mm-hmm. and and their worry that you know what if they find out they're not a good person, and and that does that make me potentially have the ability to not be good or have some like quote unquote bad genes. You know, we are determined by our genes. You know, yes, epigenetics is part of it and how our genes are expressed will vary depending on our environment and, and things like parenting. But genes do 
play a big role in our identity. And so, yeah, you, there's so much fear there and the, all those unknowns can be scary for, for donor conceived and adoptees that are looking for genetic roots. And even for you as the parent who is now wondering what your child will find and where the information be, you know, be something they can, they can come to terms with and live with. And, and if it isn't, you know, do they have the resources and support to help them know uh, what is them and what is not them, you know, what they, where the line is. Um, you might share genes with someone, but you're not that person. You are your own person. And if, it's a lot to sort out, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not as clean cut as, as some like to believe. Um, if you haven't experienced that in your child or a genetic loss yourself, um, you may not understand just how confusing it can actually be. Uh-huh. You know, some, a lot of people who have grown up with their biological family and never known anything different, just they take for granted that those little markers and signposts and guides that, that genetic resemblances and mm-hmm. features offer yeah. you. And so they don't realize what it's like to not have it. And, and so they kind of think that's when you kind of get the, oh, well, it's no big deal. And uh, I do hear sometimes parents say as a response to their donor conceived child, well, you know what? It's no big deal. I wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter to me. So why does it matter to you? And, you know, perhaps that's true. You know, maybe it doesn't matter it, or it wouldn't matter to that person. Everyone is different. Or maybe they're lacking the imagination to think about what it would actually be, be like. Or, you know, maybe they're just trying to not feel so guilty, you know, and so bad about it. And so they're hoping if they minimize these feelings. Right. Then maybe they could, maybe they would go away. Do you? Oh, granted, there are some people who it doesn't matter to. Like, um, because I listen to um, podcasts, I hear people that it it really doesn't matter. I am who I am, you know. But but yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But I I know that um, for my daughter, it was a big deal because she's so she loves history in general <laughs> and family is important to her and the history of her family is important to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And so, yeah, the parent may not, it may not be as big a deal or even like you said, some individuals just depending on their personality, it's not as big a deal, but you don't know your child's personality is a roll of the dice. So that you might have a child who it does matter to and to be prepared for that does help. And certainly sounds like you have been so open to, her perspective and, and helping her. And that's just such, such a wonderful thing that, that you're doing for her. How are things now? Are, are you, um, you're healing, you're, you're still learning mm-hmm. about this and yeah. Would you say it's gotten oh, better? Much better? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Good. Good. How long has it been since she found out? Since January 1st. Okay. So what's that? Okay. 11, almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, That's it good. feels much better now. Um, I still don't bring it up too much, um, but I did. I did make a joke about it one day, but I can't remember what the joke was. But it was that mm-hmm. you know the ease that allowed me to like venture into that area because it's still sore. I mean, it's still a, a place mm-hmm. of. <sighs> Not, not that you want to go and stay there <laughs> for very long, for more than a few minutes, that place of, um, okay. yeah, it's still sensitive, like a heel. Would you say it's grief? 
Yeah, with sadness. Mm-hmm. And what would, what's the part that's sad to you now? That that experience happened, that it happened in the way it did, that, that we didn't know any better. We didn't know to tell her from the start. She, mm-hmm. She's a buoyant human being. She would have managed well with it from the start. And yet mm-hmm. we didn't know. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and even that needling feeling at the beginning, like, oh, this doesn't feel right. We didn't pay attention to it because it was easier not to. And that, that mm-hmm. I feel bad about. That I feel not bad, but I feel like we could have done better in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And yet, maybe not. Maybe we would have been discouraged every step of the way. I don't know what, what mm-hmm. would have happened, but I still do wish it was a different path that we had taken to, mm-hmm. to her finding out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, the fact that you admit that and you say, you know, the path would have been to tell her sooner and she would have been buoyant and able to, to accept the information and assimilate that into her own identity. I, and that it would have been in the long run easier on you. And you could have even followed your intuition and been true to who you know you are. Yeah. You know, an honest person, a person whose intuition was telling her to to say it, but yet there was this conflicting information or lack of information altogether. And then this professional in op- opinion that said, don't tell. And and so there it just was the conflict there, not knowing. And I know parents will come to me today still and say, I don't want to tell my child because it's going to do them more harm than good that why should I tell them this? They're just going to feel different and they're just going to feel um, that pe- they may get picked on or they may uh, feel like I'm not their real mom or dad. And so they struggle with that. How is my child going to feel? And, and can I handle their feelings? I don't, think, can I handle I don't think it would do more harm than good. I agree. And um, everybody feels different at some point or another and has to get over it. You know, I has to work through it or sometimes it becomes the, the central focus of the work that they do in their life. But everybody feels different. I think that's part of just being a human being because we are different as well. As much as we're all the same, we are all different too. And, and when you work at self-acceptance, then you arrive at a place of peace about that. But Mm-hmm. There's nobody that es- I don't think there's a human being that escapes that, right? That's true. I agree. Everyone feels different in their life about something, you know. And I think the parents, a lot of times when they are fearing that they don't want to tell their child, they don't want their child to be different. It's, and I mentioned this in my book. It's their own disowned feeling being different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and handling what that what that means and what that looks like and what interactions socially look like what family relationships look like and how they may change um, if the information is is there and if you share that difference from the start so that's why I think yeah I, I'm on I agree with you obviously that's why I wrote three makes baby is to just have people 
learn how to talk about it from the beginning and and know how to talk about it. And the reason I knew is um, just personally, not being genetically related to my mom and dad Mm -hmm. through adoption and then having a daughter through adoption. So I knew I knew those family narratives already. I knew how those conversations unfolded. I knew how it worked and, you know, I knew the challenges and I still do. And so it was just that um, applying it to this donor conception uh, world. So because donor conception was kind of following the same footsteps of adoption mm-hmm. or in, in the early days where yeah. adoption began in secrecy too. Oh, I and, know. Yeah. And doctors told families that adopted not to tell the child the truth. And so now you see all these cliches and these jokes about uh, people finding out, discovering this terrible truth that they were adopted. That stigma carried on. And my goal, part of my goal is to lift the stigma and lift the shame and of these family narratives that are different because there were medical problems that caused a, a family not to be able to grow the family, their family the way they wanted to. And so they had choose adoption. They choose donor conception. They choose foster to adoption. You choose different routes. They choose surrogacy or gestational carrier to become the parents and the family they want to be. And there should be the, sta- the shame and the stigma associated with that should be lifted for the child's sake and for yeah. the family's sake. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that, people like me who have older children have to join forces because the, the only way to take the shame out of it is to come to work for, for some kind of together to work together parent as a parent I can't take an oppositional side with my with my child and say no you have to keep it this way because I don't believe that I believe that the whole field has to change Mm-hmm. And it does. I'm, you know, I don't know how. I'm not. I'm not really um, aware of all the intricacies and the legal aspects of it. But it can't be a business anymore. It has to be a more nurturing. It has to be a more nurturing, non-judgmental accepting of it. Just like mm-hmm. um. You know, cancer used to be a big secret too. Mm, it's true. I think it's conversations like these that make a difference. The more professionals in the field that are that are helping families grow, the more they listen and open their minds to the long-term psychological and social needs of a family, mm-hmm. the more they will get on board with getting and encouraging the proper education, resources, counseling, whatever is needed for those families on the front end. So they go in prepared. I think that's really important. I think that you just voicing and being an example of, of how 35 years later, this is impacting your family, that this doesn't end when you walk out of the doctor's office. It doesn't end there. Right. And we need to all acknowledge that. So then we can be a community of support for families that have the day in day out questions. Yeah. I just feel like I could ask you a million more questions. I, I'm just so happy that you came on the show. And I, I want to, I remember when we were talking early on that you said something so profound and beautiful. And do you remember that what you said to me? And I was, I, I quoted you because I just really wanted to share it with so many other followers and parents that were going through what you're going through because you're not alone. 
Right. Um, m- many have reached out to me privately and have expressed that. Do you remember what you said? Well, you tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, say, I, want, I, I say a lot of things. <laughs> oh, you just said you're so eloquent. You said, um, I think there are a lot of us out there who need to come out and together with our children work to take the shame out of this process. Yes. And I, I do really wish that there were a group because it's scary. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's liberating. And the people who are still in that fear and the shame and the pain need to be encouraged by the people who have worked it out so that they feel liberated by it. And if there were, mm-hmm. if we could join forces and say, yes, we did that at a time when it was advised that it be a secret, but now our children are here, they're experiencing pain and disorientation and shock and we need to support each other in order to support them and i think that it would be just a, an amazing experience so mm. oh i do too i mean that just that la- like literally brought tears to my eyes because i feel that same way and how much beautiful healing and and you know, just how much, how much amazing things could come from that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you said it so much more eloquently than I just did. But for those of you that are on Facebook, I do have a group called Three Makes Baby. It's a, a private group. And so I, it's not secretive. So that's the tricky part. Here's the tricky part. There's people that want to remain private and they have a right to be private, but they still want to do this work of healing in their family. Mm-hmm. So we need to create a space where people can still remain private while they're, while they're healing. You know, many people aren't ready to talk openly about things until they've, they've done their own work. And that right. makes sense. Yeah. Being vulnerable when you're healing is often too much. And Three Mix Baby may not be a private enough form right now. And so let me see what I can get going. And maybe the two of us can get something going for families and we'll be sure to announce it on this podcast when it becomes available for people to join. Thank you again for coming on and speaking um, for a generation and being the voice for an entire um, generation that we don't hear enough from and that an opening up this dialogue, speaking to some of the same feelings and thoughts that people have um, that went through this process 35 years ago as the parent. And, um, it just, your vulnerability is, is amazing. And I know it's going to be so helpful for so many people. So thank you. I hope to have you back soon too. Maybe I can have you and your daughter on the show at some point if you, if she would be willing to do that. Maybe so. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow me for more content, you can find me on Instagram at Jana Rupnow LPC and Facebook And you can also grab a copy of my book, Three Makes Baby, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Target.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it and share it with a friend if you like it. Have a great day.